Are you struggling in your faith? Are you pretending you're happy but stuck in a spiritual rut? Are you tired of listening to famous pastors and preachers who make it sound so easy? Welcome to Broken Catholic, the number one Protestant and Catholic voice in America. I talk about the important things that nobody else is talking about, like how to align with God's plan for your life, because I believe this is where 90% of Christians get stuck. And I tackle the negative self-talk that we all secretly struggle with but won't admit. My guests are brave Protestants and Catholics who share their struggles, their fears, and their daily holy habits that help them win in their spiritual lives. I'm your host, your coach, your friend, Joseph Warren. I'm also a broken Catholic and former atheist and a spiritual coach to Christian business owners and CEOs who are married with children. This show was created for you, the broken Catholic, who's pushing to get your spouse, your kids, and yourself to heaven. Wherever you are in your spiritual journey, you're just one surrender prayer away. Today, my featured guest is Morgan Snyder. He is the author of Becoming a King, The Path to Restoring the Heart of a Man. He's also a strategist, entrepreneur, teacher, writer, and speaker. He has led over a decade of Become Good Soil intensives and sold out Wild at Heart men's events across the United States, United Kingdom, South Africa, and Australia. Now, Morgan goes off the grid every chance he gets, whether bow hunting in the Colorado wilderness or choosing the adventurous life with his greatest treasures, his wife, Cherie, his son, Joshua, and his daughter, Abigail. Now, I brought uh, Morgan on the show today, BC Nation, uh, to speak about his new book, Becoming a King, but not so much about the book. We're not here to promote a book. We're here to tap your heart. We're here to arrest you, to call you to pause in the busyness of chasing success, whatever that looks like for you. You know that the times when you feel God's peace are the times when you're still and you let him be God and you stop trying to play God in your own life. Let's be real about it. I've been there. I suspect Morgan's been there. That's why he wrote a book about it. So he's going to get into it. We're going to get into his story today. Um, so Morgan, welcome to Broken Catholic number one podcast on iTunes for Protestants and Catholics. Go ahead, take a quick minute, fill in some of the gaps in that intro, would you? Joseph, I'm honored. Uh, total joy bomb to be with you even before the official recording. And you realize we're like-hearted. We want to see people restored as men and women and set free. And it's my privilege and joy I think of all that description you read, I think the core passion as I'm listening to you that I've recovered over the last 25 years is I really do love God. Like in my secret life, there's a friendship, there's an intimacy, there's a partnership, there's an awe of getting to participate in God's story to see all things and all people restored. And from that place, my treasures of Abigail and my 14 year old little um, girl to be woman overnight. And my son, Joshua, who's a budding 17 year old that has uh, dethroned the herd bull of our household to my delight. (laughs) And my wife who spends her time being full-time mom And when she's not mothering our kids, going after the heart of God, doing trauma-sensitive yoga care and other ministries to restore um, troubled women, 
Mm. Um, that's our passion is God and his kingdom to start family first. And from there to go um, shape the men and women who are shaping God's kingdom. So it's an honor to be on this episode. And like you said, go after the hearts for just a moment with our listeners around the world. Fantastic. So take a minute, share something personal about you that very few people in your business life actually know. Okay, so Protestant Catholic. I'm a kid. Picture this chubby little altar boy, um, uh, elementary kid in pew number six, bored out of his mind, rolling around on the floor, looking at the altar. And what I saw, Joseph, was a fat statue of a bald guy with my haircut, if you could see the back, kind of a donut-esque haircut with flames coming out of his head. And I remember thinking, what the hell is that? Like whatever this place is, what my soul was wondering is how do I become mature? How do I become a man? And I remember thinking if they have a statue of a fat guy, you know, in a in a smock that you could get from Walmart with with a with a haircut um, that was mostly bald with flames coming off his head. I went, I don't want to become like that guy. Mm. And I think that was the beginning of my spiritual formation of asking the question, where is life? How do we make it last? What does it mean to be a boy? What does it mean to become a man? Who do we look to? And how do we become the kind of person, I think I'd say it maybe this way, that has nothing to hide, nothing to fear, and nothing to prove. And so in that moment, I I don't know that I've ever shared that story, but that was the moment of my spiritual formation. And it's been uh, about 40 years since probably that day that it's been shaped more and more towards that which is true and good and beautiful. Mm. So I got to ask, who is the statue of? It was one of the saints. It was a saint. I don't know which saint one it was. Jude? Maybe it was St. Francis because he saint had a Francis on his shoulder, right? Oh, but, yeah, that's St. Francis. <laughs> Normally, St. Francis was thin because he gave away most of his food, right? right? So he was very thin, but okay, got it. I have no idea. Yeah, yeah. All right. So you start off at a very young age. You look at some of the Christian role models that were presented to you through statues. And you said, I don't think that's attractive. Like, I I don't want that. So where did you go with that? That searching or seeking at such a young age, because that's really young to be contemplating such deep matters of life. Yeah. I think what I'd say is it's a very important question is in my story. I couldn't have put words to it until my thirties, but what was happening is the heart was searching for a father. Mm. I was looking to come home and that homecoming was something I couldn't have named, but it was a father. And just an example, my mom was Irish Catholic, you know, from the cradle, my dad, a Jewish, and so a wild household. But the real story was my mom found life in the Catholic church and my dad found life working. And so he was always working. And I knew I wanted to be like my dad. If I could just have his affection, if I could just have his admiration, if I could become like him, I would find my way home. And so I think if I look back in my story, Joseph, as I grew, I found my broken heart attaching to what worked. I hid, right? I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. It's every man and every woman's story. And what worked for me was leadership and women. I remember those middle school years. Those were the places that I felt powerful, that I felt like a man. 
And it wasn't until my life came to a nearly catastrophic transformation at the end of high school where I realized I had won the world and I lost my soul. And so I was success-driven, leadership-oriented. I'd won the world and I lost my soul. And so I went looking and I wanted to find life. And I, did, I knew it was God, but I didn't know if it was religion. And so I knocked on a lot of doors, but in time, what I found was men that were older than me that I respected. And I started asking feverishly and ferociously for decades, two decades, what does it mean to become a man? What does it mean to love God? What does it mean to recover your whole heart back? What are the pitfalls? And how do we recover that narrow path that leads to life? Mm. Powerful. So I very much resonate with your story. I took the business entrepreneurship path, early success, uh, you know, 19 years old. We went up to $2 million, right? 12 months out. Uh, with a new business. And you can imagine when you give a kid that kind of money <laughs> at his fingertips, um, you know, a lot of bad choices uh, can come from that. And I did. And I, I won the world, as you said, but I definitely lost my soul or I at least I freely gave it away. I yeah. definitely turned away from God in my 20s and most of my 30s uh, and just chose more, more, more. Well, I'm not happy. You know, I got the money. Still not happy. More yeah. money will make me happy. More money will make me happy. I got the women not happy. More women will make me happy. Did you have a similar uh, path like that where it became this black hole um, that you were trying to fill out in the world and it just wasn't working? Yeah, see what I love about masculine initiation and the masculine and feminine soul is it's unique and universal. We have a unique story. Of, of our fingerprint of God written in our lives, something that's ours and ours alone. And then it's universal. In some ways, you're describing every man's story, mm -hmm. my story and yours. And I think to answer that, I'd ask another question that helped me in that process of what's not working? Yeah. What's not working, right? Because the only thing more catastrophic than failure for many men is success. That's the danger of the false self, of that life that we create apart from God, that life of self-salvation to make life work, to play it safe, is when it, we succeed, we die ever so slowly. And so, yeah, for me, it was the success you know, of the, of the leadership and the 4.23 and the Barbie doll girlfriend and student government president, for, um, president of my class for five years. I, I, I won that game and it wasn't enough. And it wasn't until one day I looked in the mirror and I felt like I, I was a man without a soul. And that's when I became really honest of asking the question, what's not working? And asking the question, what, who is God really? Not just theology, but operating, right? And, and, and one mentor along the way, I think you'll appreciate this, Joseph, Dallas Willard, USC professor, brilliant philosopher, sage to many. Um, he said, the primary work of God is finding men in whom he can entrust his power. And the story of most men is being entrusted with power and it bringing harm to themselves and those under their care. And I think I hit a point, Joseph, where I realized you can look on the internet any given day and look at the top 10 news stories. And the major theme that you will see is men entrusted with power and them not handling it well.
And when I realized that was my own story, in my secret life, I was not handling power well. And I longed to be a good man. I longed to be the kind of man that, that his children and his wife upon his eulogy were really proud to say, he was my hero and he was filled with joy and we were the priority of his life and I was not becoming that man. So when you realize this, you come to that fork in the road, so to speak, in on your inside, and you ask yourself what's not working, you see what's not working, you see the trajectory of your life, and it's not what you want. What was your very next step? My first step was honesty. My first step was slowing down and looking in the mirror and asking these two questions fundamentally. Who have I become and who am I becoming? I think, Joseph, I got really honest with the first question. Who have I become? I've become the kind of person who harms the people I love the most. I've become the kind of person that isn't proud of how I have stewarded all that's been entrusted to my care. But I realized in that moment, the silver lining is the question of who, I've, who I am becoming is up to me. I get to answer that question. Pascal calls it the dignity of causality. What I love, Joseph, of the one thing that God cannot do because he chooses not to do is make a choice for us. And I couldn't have fully named it on that day, but on that day I said, I choose God. I choose to become who you meant when you meant me. And what that involved was the paradox of the gospel life that I didn't know. In the place of building, I needed to choose excavation. In the place of self-promotion, I had to choose the lowest seat at the table. In, in the place of all my efforts to take a shortcut in my finances, in my fitness, in my relationships, I had to consent to slow and steady wins the race. It was an absolute upheaval of my worldview. And so what I had to begin doing is replacing the exclamations of my belief system with question marks. Mike Mason says that the heart of a 30-year-old man is like a densely populated city. Nothing can be built in its place without something else being torn down. And so I effectively became a major construction zone. And it continues to this day. I love it. The name of my coaching program is Blow Up Rocks. I love it. I see it behind you. That's literally what we do. We go in with a detonator and blow up that inner territory that is consumed with self, right? We blow it up and clear space for God in men's lives, for their wives, for their kids, yes. for joy, right? And I had to do it myself. You've done it yourself. Okay. So the man is listening right now and he's saying, man, maybe you guys did that, Morgan. That's fantastic, man. I wish I could do that, bro, but I don't even know where to begin. And honestly, that sounds painful. And I got too much going on right now to go in and wreck my inner world. What do you want to tell that man listening? Mm. Oh, Joseph, I get emotional because I'm sitting with that man right now in my heart. And, and, and the first thing I want to say is, me too. Me too. 
You know, one of my mentors had the privilege of designing his own gravestone because he knew cancer was going to take him. Mm-hmm. And on his great gravestone, he said, John Moorhead, he said, end of construction. Thank you for your patience. You see, all of life, as Lewis said, is apprenticeship, that heaven is the consummation of our earthly apprenticeship. And so what I want to say is me too. And what I want to say is, that the brilliance and kindness of God is at every moment on every day, he is offering a fresh and unique doorway back to the path that leads to life. But nature is our first sacred text and it reveals that life comes from death. That it beget death is just the beginning of life. And so that, that, we have to will we have to be willing to risk and that is central to the masculine soul masculinity is always synonymous with risk and so i'll go back to a question that a mentor asked me when my life came to a precipice and a crux at 30 and he said simply look at the men in your world in their 50s 60s and 70s and and ask the question where did they get taken out No man ever starts a marriage saying, I can't wait to get divorced. No man ever starts a company saying, I can't wait to declare bankruptcy. No one ever births a child in this world waiting to say, I can't wait till we're estranged. No one starts. The most important thing about any person is that we bear the image of God. That's what's most true below everything. And so what I would say to that man is you're not alone. Me too. But what is it that you want? And what if, what if life is not up to you? What if at the center of our story is God? What if he's the great initiator? What if our world is God be breathed, God bathed, God breathed, God initiated? And Joseph, what I'd say to him is what if you are being led and the invitation is to more life and more joy and more well-being than you've ever chosen to believe? You know, I think that what you just said, those words ignite a man's heart, but then his head kicks in. Yes. And fear kicks in. Why? Because what you're speaking of is things unseen. Yes. Giving over control to our heavenly father is an unknown. We don't know what he's going to do with it. And we could see the heart of man show up in the heart of society right now with this pandemic. When there's an invisible enemy, something we can't see, touch, or feel, it produces so much fear that it paralyzes us. Hmm. And I think a limiting belief we have in our heads is we we can control what we can see. What we can't see will control us. And even when it comes to a good heavenly father that we read about and we say we believe in, like how do we give him control when we can't see what he's going to do with it because it still hits that fear button in us. Is that making sense what I'm saying? Absolutely. Yeah. And that fear is very real Mm -hmm. and it's the antithesis of, of the masculine soul and its design. In other words, no one gets out for free. It's the brilliance of being led as a son. You know, in this modern world, we, we have this idea of everything's instant and we, and we worship knowledge and information and we have lost the sacred journey of masculine initiation. 
we have lost the honoring of a path and a process. And so let me give you just an example. I, my son's 17, like we talked about right earlier off air, and it's a joy to watch him become initiated. But and it's a joy to participate with God in God's initiation of my son. I think that's a better way to say it. And what's also a joy is alongside of Joshua's initiation to allow God to initiate the parts of me, Morgan Snyder, that are still young, that are still uninitiated, that still need to be healed. I remember the day I gave my son his cell phone. It was on his 13th birthday, and it was a holy moment, a rite of passage. I felt two feelings, and one was profound sadness because it was so much of the world being put in his hands, right? Albert Einstein said technology is like a razor blade being put in the hands of a three-year-old. You know, do you know how to use that thing? That's a lot of leverage of power. And I also, Joseph, felt incredible joy because my son was on time. My son was on time in his initiation. He was ready for it. And so I was able to say, Joshua, you are on time for this. This is a tremendous amount of power, but you are not on your own. This is for good. Through this device, we can bring love to the world you have permission to make mistakes. We will do this together. I am with you. And you got this because you have a father in heaven that's orchestrating your initiation and he is giving this phone to you. I share that story to say deeper than the fear, there's an invitation to risk turning to a father, not just God is like, religion and God is theology, but God is a person that actually wants to give abundance in our place of scarcity, that wants to give courage in our place of fear, but we don't know till we practice. And all of masculine initiation is an experience in practicing. The last comment I'll make on it is my daughter's 14 and I tell her all the time, baby girl, I have never parented a 14 year old girl I am new at this. I don't know how to do this, but you have my heart, you have my ear, and God is shepherding us both through this. And so we're both new, but we're in good hands and we're learning this together. And that is a place, Joseph, where the fear begins to dissipate and courage and confidence fills its place. Mm. So your son, your daughter, have a heavenly father, as we all do, but they also have a loving human father who's pouring life through his words into their heart. What do you say to the man right now who does not have that human father role model? How do you tell him to take a step to become a king when he's never seen what a king actually looks like in human form? because his dad left him when he was a kid, abandoned him or hurt him. Mm. Mm. Yeah, again, I, I feel the emotions. I'm sitting with our listeners, men and women alike. And I think where I go with this, you know, I read a lot of history. Um, I read a lot of memoirs and biographies to learn from other people's stories. I remember it was said of Winston Churchill, no one became more of what they did not have. And it was referring to his lack of having a father. <clears throat> the brilliance of the gospel mission 
is we can become the kind of person who offers what we didn't receive. God is always prevailing. The major theme that's not in the headlines is God is at work to restore all that's been broken. What I wanna say with that is like we talked about off air before we went live and as we prayed, we all have an enemy that comes to steal, kill and destroy. And that is very real and it's very personal. I will never forget a day I was sitting in a church where this pastor was giving a message on God has planned for your life. And then I had this sense, does evil have a plan for my life? And I went with it and I just opened my heart to the Holy Spirit. And very quickly, I had a sense of three things. I was supposed to be rich financially, marry my high school sweetheart and be a president of a large organization. And that was the enemy's plan to take me out. There's nothing wrong with my high school sweetheart or running a company or having a bunch of money. But for my story, that was the enemy's choreographed plan. And so my path of repentance and restoration was not to go in the direction of those three things, which is another story for another time. So what I'd say to every man is no matter what your father was or wasn't, there is a particular orchestrated campaign to destroy our fundamental belief in the goodness of a father. I'm not offering to my son what I received from my earthly father. I had a father that was a good man and deeply broken. And it was out of my brokenness and my sin that I risked turning to God as a father. And through God, now over 75 older men that I found, that I sought after, any older man that I wanted to ask questions to, to learn and to grow and to confess and to incorporate what they've recovered. And so we get to become what we never had when we walk with God and we get to be the father that we lacked and we all share in common that there's an enemy at work against us and there's a father orchestrating a greater campaign to restore the hearts of every one of his sons. BC Nation, as you're listening right now, if you fill, fill that profile, if you connect with that profile where you had a father that was deeply broken, he did the best he could with what he had, or maybe he didn't. Either way, that's where you come from. You didn't get to choose that. You do get to choose where you go, where you end up. That is your choice. And I could speak on behalf of myself and tell you this, that today I am a father. I have a second child on the way in just a matter of weeks. And I am blessed and I like to say when people say, how is it going? I'm like, I was born to be a father. Yes, I love and to it. to be a good father, an epic father. Like I was born to it. That does not mean I had that role model. I was born to it. Well, how did you learn, Joseph? I spent an hour a day in silence with my heavenly father. And I asked him why the things happened in my life. And then I gave him permission to heal those things. I spent time with the father, my heavenly father, which every listener has that same father in heaven, like Morgan's talking about. And it's in spending time with your heavenly father that you get to find out the burning question. Who am I? 
You finally get to answer it because you, when you come to know the father, your creator, your maker, you come to see the reflection of yourself in his eyes. Yes. You're made in his image and likeness. So as you come to know him and see, he is love and joy and peace and mercy. You come to see that in yourself. And then with that identity, true identity, you can make a decision for the rest of your life. Morgan, what do you want to add to or take away from that? Uh, I so appreciate your authenticity, Joseph. And I think the que- there's a question that comes up in my soul as you share that. And the question is, well, what's the on-ramp? Like practically speaking, right? There are no ordinary days. Like sure. the, the new normal is change in a world that's going so fast and furious. The new normal's change. So I think what I would add is I began to learn of the father on the asphalt of a Home Depot parking lot when I collapsed. My son was in a car seat. I had just returned something at the store for my dad. My wife was in a psychiatric hospital for anxiety and depression. With our nine month old daughter and I collapsed behind my Ford Explorer because the weight of the world was too much. And Joseph, I was a good man. I loved God. I had turned so much over to God, but I hadn't healed the boy. I hadn't come home to a father, which is very different than simply giving your life to God. I didn't know the father. So we were in refuge in my parents' house. um, And I took a road trip with my three-year-old son, Joshua, and we were in my childhood bedroom of all places, just a wild supernatural moment on a pair of twin mattresses on the floor. And we were nose to nose cuddling, my son having the time of his life with his dad and me seeing my life unraveling, losing my wife, not knowing if I'm gonna lose her to death, lose my marriage. And my son said to me, daddy, you know, we're brothers. And I said, I I pause it, I'm thinking in my mind, oh, it's so cute, it's not true, but it's cute. And the Holy Spirit paused me and just said, stay here. And I said, son, what makes us brothers? And he said, well, dad, God is your father and God is my father. And so that makes us brothers. And Joseph, in that moment, I had my most holy confession of my life. And I looked nose to nose to my little Joshua and I said, would you forgive me for your life I have tried to be the strongest man in your world. And the good news is I'm not strong enough. You are right. We need a father and we have one in our God. And so we're gonna pray today, Joshua, that God would be our father and we would be his sons and he would show us how to become the sons that we are. And I have not missed a day praying that I am God's father announcing it that I am God's son and he is my father and I am inviting you, God, to father me today. And it's the one thing I do every morning on any day before I leave my bed. I open my eyes, I gain consciousness, and I declare, God, you are a father and I am your son and I invite you to father me today. It works. BC Nation, there you have it. There's your step one. Are you willing? Are you willing to look at your life and ask the question, what's not working? Are you willing to look at yourself in the mirror, eyeball to eyeball, and ask, who have I become? Are you willing to ask yourself again, who am I becoming? 
And then are you willing to take those three answers to your heavenly father in silence and give him permission? The father is the ultimate gentleman. He waits for our permission, our free will. Give your father permission to father you, at least for today, and then tomorrow, and then the next day. We're inviting you into hope. Many of you are living lives of quiet desperation. Many of you. I was. Morgan, you described you were. I was. You were. Now, many of you say, I'm stuck. I don't know what to do. Well, we just gave you the next step. You don't need the next 10 steps. You just need the next right move and enough courage to take it, to risk it. Hey, what's the worst that can happen? You just continue on the trajectory you're on if it doesn't work. But what if it does work? What if your heavenly father steps into your life in a very real and tangible way, like he did in mine, he did in Morgan's. What if he takes over and lifts that burden, that weight of your own destiny off your, your shoulders that made Morgan collapse in a Home Depot parking lot? You have yours. You carry it in a backpack. You move it from one side of your back to the other as life goes forward. What if God would take that from you? And in, instead, replace it with peace. Isn't that what you want? Hmm. As men, I think that's the universal desire. We want peace. Just give me peace. I remember I prayed for that in my future wife, Morgan, Hmm. two years before I met her. I said, God, here's my list of all my ideals for a wife. But man, above everything, give me a wife who's peaceful. I just want peace in my marriage. I don't want a marriage like I saw when I grew up. Just give me peace. So I just invite you, man, brother in Christ, as you're listening right now, maybe there's a tear in your eye and you're like, I don't know. Mm. I don't know, Morgan. Right. Joseph, I don't know. Right. I've tried before. I didn't feel God come to me. I asked Jesus into my heart. I made him my Lord and Savior. Why wasn't that enough? Well, Morgan, I think you said it very eloquently before. And I'm just going to re-paraphrase it the way I heard it. I received it because I think it's brilliant. It's one thing to be saved as a Christian, to call Jesus into your life and run back to the father as the prodigal son full of brokenness and sin. It's a completely other thing after the party at the father's house to wake up the next morning in the father's house and let the father heal the broken boy in you. Yes. See, that's part two, right? Getting saved is part one. Learning to live in the father's house is part two. Are you willing? Do you believe God is a good father and you're in good hands? If you do, I invite you to, I invite you just to sit with him, get quiet with him. This is your homework assignment this week is just sit with the Father and say, Heavenly Father, I give you permission to father me today. That's it. Morgan, what do you want to add? 
Oh, it's beautiful, Joseph. I think a piece of that is, you know, believing is seeing. And one of the challenges we all see dimly, we all see through a lens that's not aligned with what is true. And so in that prayer, Father, would you show me how you were fathering me through my life, but I didn't have the capacity to receive it. Yes. That's the beauty of he is always at work. He has been pursuing you. I believe the father is at work in this very podcast to say, I see you. I see you. And your choice to engage in this podcast was your part. And my heart is present here, but I've been in your story. And now, God, give me eyes to see, ears to hear, not only today and in the future, but also in the past. Show me what you were up to. Show me where the face of God was pursuing me. And I invite you to help me unlearn ways I have learned you wrong and learn you as you truly are. BC Nation, we're speaking with Morgan Snyder. He is the author of Becoming a King. Um, which speaks unabashedly to men, teaching them to teaching them the life-changing truth about the power that God intends for you, kingdom man, to responsibly step into and step into, I just said that twice, step into his kingdom, right? To step into the father's house while also giving women an honest peek behind the curtain into the lives and hearts of the men they know and love. So for all you ladies out there that have men in your life that you know and love, and you, you can see the broken boy in them, this book is for that man. So Morgan, uh, welcome to my favorite part of the show. Welcome to the confession round. Hmm. I'm going to ask you 10 quick fire questions. You'll have about three seconds to answer each. It's just for fun. Don't overthink it. Are you ready, sir? Three seconds each. Okay. I'm ready. What's your favorite thing about God? His joy. What's your least favorite thing about God? His honesty. <laughs> what are you most afraid of? Fear. I believe we're all struggling with something at any given moment of our life, which is part of the human condition as we spoke of. What are you currently struggling with right now, either professionally or personally? Staying connected to the true self in the hearts of my ever-changing teenagers when I don't have it figured out as a parent. Yeah, for sure. What did you spend way too much time doing this past year? Worrying about a future that never came to pass. Mm, so true. What secret fear do you have about people? That they, at the end of the day, will not extend to me the benefit of the doubt. And therefore, I'm going to act differently rather than in love. Mm. What do you wish you had learned sooner about God? I wish I had learned, Joseph, that he was at the center of the story and it wasn't me. That he lives and breathes and finds joy in orchestrating my masculine initiation and wholeheartedness, that it's not up to me, that he's simply joyfully waiting for my response. Isn't that such a relief? It is. It is. What is a new habit you want to create? New habit I'm creating is I'm wearing my cell phone loosely. 
St. Francis said, wear the world like a loose fitting garment where it touches you in a few places and therein lightly. And for two months, I have fiercely been practicing a new way of living, wearing my cell phone very loosely. And it's bumpy, but it's working. I like it. What's a bad habit you want to break? A bad habit I want to break is using my truck as an extended office instead of using it as one of the last refuges for intimacy, for quiet, for pause and transition. Mm. Pick three words to describe who you are now. Intense, curious, and bald. And bald. <laughs> I was like, bold? Okay. Bold. bold. No hair on this head. Got it. And pick three words to describe who you were before you dropped in that Home Depot parking lot from the weight of your own destiny and gave it all to God. I was scared. I felt behind. And I was a man who really thought life is up to me. I need to make it happen. And last question, Morgan, if you could come back to life after you died, look your family and friends in the eye and give them only one piece of advice about life. What would you say to them? I would say to them, this is the moment. This is the moment we have. If today you hear God's voice, as Paul said, don't harden your heart. I would say there's only two places we can live, by day and by decade, by day and by decade. So quit measuring, quit measuring in the short term. Live in the day, be present in this moment, receive God's care, receive his life, receive his forgiveness, receive his joy. And if you measure it all, only measure decade by decade. Any final wisdom? What's the one thing you want my listener to know about seeking God with all their heart and dropping their burdens on him? Friends, you are loved. You are loved. You are loved. You are loved. And so it all comes down to the invitation is, would you receive? Would you take the greatest risk that's not just one time, but it's every moment of every day to receive the love of a father? that's pursuing you right here and right now. Morgan, where does BC Nation go to get your new book, Becoming a King? How do they connect with you? What do you got for them? Yeah, we're, we're just scratching the surface. And so everything we're talking about, it's my life mission. It's been two decades of curating and distilling that which has been entrusted to my care. So if any of this is moving you, you can find a podcast, and the book at becomingaking.com. And Joseph, I was really moved um, to your listeners. I just love the authenticity and I love your going after it. And we reach the many to find the few. God always restores his kingdom through the remnant, through a few barbarians and organically. And, and I've, I've written a study guide and a video series that's meant to really do the slow and steady work for the people that want to go deep. So there's a hidden page that's not available to the public. It's becomingaking.com forward slash launch team. And you can get just about everything for free. 
the, the whole study guide and the whole video series. And that's just simply to say of the many people, the few that say, I want to go all in on God, that's my gift to you. Morgan, thank you for your generosity to our audience. I appreciate that. And I thank you for being on Broken Catholic. I wish you God's love, peace, and joy in your life, sir. Thank you, Joseph. You as well. Have you tried absolutely everything and nothing has worked? Have you tried therapy? Have you tried coaching? Have you tried counseling, Christian counseling? Nothing's worked for you, for your spouse. You just want better communication. When you wake up, do you feel like you want to crawl under a rock in the morning time? Is your brain so scattered and foggy at this point that you're not following through with things? You're not keeping your word in the matter. You're letting people down, maybe your own spouse or kids. Do you have way too much on your plate and you're getting more and more frustrated, which is turning into anger? Are you battling addictions right now? Are you an amped up or frantic person with a lot of anxiety and you're off and on a bipolar and depression medicines? If any of these you connect with, then what I do is specifically this. I do not do therapy. I do not do counseling. Those are for people that want to talk about their problems or learn different ways to cope and manage their problems. I don't do that. Reach out to me if you want to get rid of your problems permanently, like be done with the addiction, be done with the medications, be done with the escaping your life because you just feel so powerless in it. If you want those results and you want peace, it's what we all want. We're all chasing it. We had it as kids. We lost it. Life beat the crap out of us. If you want peace, that's what I sell. It's God's peace. So you can find that at josephwarren.net. You can schedule a call with me, complimentary. I'll contribute 30 minutes of my time into your life. We'll get clear on what you actually want. Then we'll see if we're, we want to work together. And that's me interviewing you to see if you're ready. Are you ready to do what it takes? Some people try to come to me, but they're not ready to be coachable. They're not ready to get rid of the problems. Again, if you don't want to talk about your problems anymore and you've tried everything and nothing has worked and you want to permanently get rid of them, go to josephwarren.net and let's see if I'm your guy.